Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom and the things they've learned along the way. Now, you may be familiar with the voice of today's Sandro Forte podcast guest, and if you saw her on Britain's Got Talent, you'd undoubtedly remember her face too. For over 10 years, Lavoie has been entertaining the masses on stage and screen, combining her talents as a singer and comedian, and of course, her love for outrageously glamorous gowns. She takes on the voices of some of the greatest female singers in the world, including Judy Garland, Shirley Bassey and Cher, and she makes them her own. After finishing runner-up on Britain's Got Talent in 2014, Lavoie's popularity rocketed. She has since worked with the likes of Mickey Rooney, Cilla Black and Sir Ian McKellen, one of my personal favourites. Originally from Teesside, her life started very differently to the glamorous one she now leads. I am particularly excited to be talking today to somebody I've followed with great interest for a number of years, Lavoie. Welcome. What can I say? Well, how can I follow <laughs> that introduction? You've made Made me sound like Madonna. Oh no, but better well, than Madonna. Well, if you better looking, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real, honestly, it's a joy. This has taken some time to organise, but and you are a very, very busy lady, and I know you're running to a gig. Yes. So I'm so grateful on behalf of the tens of thousands of listeners from 38 plus countries to say welcome to the show. It's a, oh, it's thank a real you so honour. Much. It is a pleasure to be here in this very swanky studio. Yeah, not bad, is it? Yes, really it's good. not a Starbucks yeah. on a back street, is it? No. No. This is glamorous. You've made it. And you're not wearing headphones because your your hair is beautiful. You can't fit them on this coiffured look. No, absolutely. (laughs) So um, I don't know how we're going to fit all this in in 30 minutes, but we'll do our very best. Um, Lavoie, what age did you decide that this was going to be the life that you've so brilliantly uh, taken on, you know, because you're originally from Teesside. Yes, um, I am, yeah. You know, was the, was the there a moment, was there an epiphany or did it all just kind of It's It's evolve? funny, I don't come from any showbiz family at all. My, my, my grandma was a, was a dancer, but that was sort of it. Um, but I knew... As long as I can trace back from being, you know, a little girl at school, I always wanted to be in the school shows and, you know, performing, whether it be at the Nativity show or the whatever concert. I always wanted to perform. I don't know where it came from. As I said, none of my family members was, you know, a big inspiration of they were performers or singers or anything. And I just cannot find a time when I, I knew I didn't want to be performing. And mm. I, that followed me right through to my school, you know, my GCSEs to my A-levels, to my degree, to going to drama school. It was just always very, very decisive. That's what I wanted to do, which made it very hard coming from the Northeast. As I said, it was um, not a theatrical upbringing at all. So I had to learn, well, you know, what do you do? Do you go to drama school? Do you go to, I remember subscribing to the stage newspaper. And used to oh, come and me? I, yeah, do you remember? I flicked yeah, through all the I jobs do. and I used to circle them and all these schools. And of course, everything was in London then. Uh, not so much the case now. There's some amazing drama schools, you know, all over the country. So I, um, as soon as I could, when I was applying for university, it was, it was London uh, based. And I moved down to London in 1998. 
Wow. And I've never gone back. Well, of course I have. I've got family up there. I'm not that nasty. <laughs> I've gone back and said hello. But I didn't think I'd stay. I thought I would always be a homebody and want to go back. But, oh, London was such an incredible place to, you know, to to grow up at that age. I was, you know, obviously 18 and it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're still in touch with your, you know, you haven't forgotten your roots. The, those foundations yes, still no. very much a part of who you are. I lost the accent by the sounds of Have it. Have I, do you think? Yes, yeah. Yeah. I when think I, so. If I speak to them on the phone, I always pick it back up. But yeah, and of course, I'm on my theatre tour at the minute. We've been lucky enough to go back up to Darlington Civic Theatre. It's now called Darlington Hippodrome, I think. Uh, and that's the theatre I went to all the school trips on to see Blood Brothers and all the shows. So to actually do my own show back in my hometown, that meant more for me than shows I've done at the Palladium or, yeah. you know, huge opportunity. That was a real, real gorgeous moment to go back. And all my family and friends came out. My parents were a great support and they, you know, flooded the theatre. It was crazy mm. uh, to see it, to be back up We've there. already got something in common. Uh, both been, both been to drama school. Yeah. Uh, both have been in spotlights. I'm not sure yes. that's something that I, I want to hang my hat on. Uh, and I was actually in Blood Brothers many years ago. No! Yeah, one of my favourite Oh my ever. God, that is my favourite well, such shows. a great show. Mm. Yeah, not the, not the London production, I, I hasten to add. I don't want oh, to... Oh, I can uh, see you in that now you've said can you? that. Can you do a Liverpoolian accent? No, I was Edward actually. Oh, that's... Oh yes, I can definitely yeah. see that. Well, anyway. I wonder if I saw you. I'm going to dig it. When when we're talking. (laughs) What year are we talking? We're talking... uh, uh, 1988, probably. Oh, I was barely born. You were. I'm much older than you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't look nearly as good. That's amazing. Mm. I remember seeing... I saw Bernie Nolan in that show and Linda Nolan and Lynn... Barbara, uh, Barbara, Blin Paul, Barbara Dixon, Barbara Dixon, one of the originals. Yes, yeah. great show. If you haven't seen it, yeah, it is absolutely. Anyway, yeah. we're digressing. We're digressing. digressing. I know. Digressing. I promise. I promise this wouldn't happen. It's not happen. a theatre review podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Britain's Got Talent. Uh, everyone wants to know how did that come about. Well, the, when I actually auditioned for the show and I made it down to the uh, semi-finals, mm. uh, 2014, I'd already auditioned for the show twice that was my third time uh first time i auditioned with a big group big group of uh big group of girls called the kit kat dolls uh but get this all the other girls in the group were drag queens really i was the only biological woman in that group it's it's phenomenal i know i I didn't know i can't stand people who pretend to be something they're not (laughs) um and we got booted off the show uh because of a huge sex scandal that was front page news of the world they discovered that one of the men was actually an escort so we were booted off front page news of the world simon cowell sex scandal i was part of that group i was not part of the controversy i'll have to add i did have to ring home and say there's going to be a newspaper front cover tomorrow it's not me (laughs) that that is plumbing the and it was the first first ever series of course it's when you know like anything x factor and all these Mm. things start anything that happens you're all over the newspapers you know now you're lucky if you get in the newspapers on britain's got talent um so there was that year then i tried to audition just on my own singing didn't get very far at all then I was lucky enough to partner up with the London Gay Big Band, which was a 22-piece big jazz band. And we played Diamonds Are Girl's Best Friend. And that was the that was the year that they said, this is something we like and something, you know, we needed. And it was, it was amazing. It was, they came to see me do a show and they were like, look, we really think you could go far. And I was like, I've done it twice. I don't want to do it a third. I was very snobby. Mm. Like, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> and of course it wasn't fixed in any way. They can't fix those shows, but they can... They can get you to say, come on, come to an audition. It's this day. Here's your time. Do your best. And luckily, we got through to the semi-finals. It was amazing. You did. It was it was quite a it journey, was wasn't it? But you know, I was up against a pensioner doing the salsa, a dog, uh, a child playing the guitar, 
and you know someone in a wheelchair. I wasn't going to get the sympathy vote for that. Was no, I, for you that final. No. I stood there in that lineup. I thought, I think I'm going home. And particularly Simon Cowell's love of dogs as well. <laughs> yes, no you chance. see, not going to happen. No, not going to happen. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, what was it like? And was it terrible? And I had the most amazing support. The journey was phenomenal. They just embraced the the glamour and they made the most amazing dresses for me. And I had an absolute blast. And I it can't, so it can't have done anything other than help your profile. Oh, it was wonderful. You know, before that, I was very much on the cabaret circuit. I was doing my time. I was gigging sometimes at midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you know, in, 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 in gay bars and clubs all over the country uh, not just gay bars I was doing Madame Jojo's in Soho which was you know renowned for its cabaret days and it from then I was instantly working into theatre shows and being part of comedian lineups and huge music festivals you know and doing Latitude Festival and mm. working with some people all of a sudden I was you know in a basement bar with someone you never heard of to oh will you come and do the Tattershaw Castle boat on the south bank with Joe Brand you know thinking Oh my God, you know, it was, it was an amazing, I didn't have the act. The success of that came before I had the act. So I suddenly had to create 45 minutes of something I could do. But uh, Well, good, good for focus though. A lot of people, oh when they talk gosh. about success, like, you know, start with the end in mind and then figure it out along a the lot, way. A lot of my things have come before I'm ready, but then are you ever ready? If you wait till you're ready, it's never going to happen. True enough. It? I've always had the theatre tour started and I'm like what am I going to wear or what am I going to say or mm. what are the songs I'm going to sing or you know amazing things like Ab Fab the movie happened you know and you know you don't have Wikipedia pages and you know <clears throat> movie experience so you all of a sudden you're like oh crikey I've got to learn what does it mean by a close up and a mid shot and a this shot and of course mm. I'm on set going oh yes of course <laughs> I know exactly what that means and you're, you're, you're very much horse before the cart um, but I think that's really exciting and I think I've embraced that now so I sort of I was dressed for the the job I want, not the dress I've you know, yeah. not the job I've got. I yeah. think is, is the best way to describe it. Um, now I've got to ask you. Uh, we we come across people in um, on the stage on screen uh, who are successful in what they're doing. Clearly, you are. Uh, and as a biological woman, as you've already mm-hmm. rightly pointed out, uh, I want to know: Do you use your do you, you know, is the beautiful way you're dressed and the way you conduct yourself, is it, is it a cover for a lack of self, self-esteem? This is a leading question, by the way, uh, or confidence? Because a lot of people, actors, actresses, as we uh-huh. know, uh, do struggle. They're very introvert. And then they find a person, uh, you know, whether it's somebody within themselves, whether it's a character on a stage. Are your shows a way of helping you as a woman create some something you that might be slightly different to the way you are because you don't lack so. personality I but so. no there... i think but the um it's become more and more heightened and i think the more um it was a bit uh, you sort of you i set the bar for myself really very early on with britain's got talent with the amazing dress and the huge band it, that was something i'd never done before i'd never really sang with a band that level never done television never worn that level of you know Sarovskis and ostrich and just and just phenomenal gowns so then when people book to see you, they expect that. They expect, oh, the costumes will be amazing and the, the band will be amazing and this. So, of course, you need it to be. So um, I very much am looking for the next big dress, the next big thing. Am I hiding behind it? I think I am helped by it. I don't think, I think I could probably go on stage and do a show just as me in a, you know, a 
simple outfit and all that, but would it give me the bravado and the showbiz element that probably they, that I can hide behind when it's all the feathers? No, I don't think it would. I think there is definitely an element of, and that's why I like impersonating the women. So your Judy Garland, your Shirley Basses, your Tina Turners, these women are beyond, you know, Tina Turner would fill rock concerts, you know, in her 60s and, you know, uh, Judy Garland doing Carnegie Hall and Shirley Bassey, you know, doing um, Glastonbury, you know, just just amazing. And I just think they, she's, Shirley Bassey's probably thinking, I can't do Glastonbury to all these young kids when you've got the killers on just before me or something like that. Mm. And I think she uses her opulence and the feathers and the music to give her the, well, this is why I've been booked. And I, and I admire that massively from mm. those women and especially someone Judy Garland, Judy Garland, famously very frail, very, very tragic life and uh, embraced it with the most amazing performances. So I think I find going round the UK at the minute with all the stuff that's going on internationally and in our country, you can put these costumes on and you get the confidence from the audience, the energy they give back to me. The more they give me, the more I'll give them. Mm. And I think it's a, it's a journey I go through. The minute there's, the dresses are zipped on, there's something happens. Uh, this, is, this is a bit of an out-of-body experience for me sitting. I'm just, as you were talking then, I was thinking, here I am sitting in a podcast studio in Soho with Lavoie. This is, um, <laughs> this is difficult to get my head this around. This is an out-of-body so, moment yeah, for you. If I have those moments of reflection, it's because I'm kind of lost for words. Um, you talked, to, I, to, to paraphrase something you just said a moment ago, I think in relation to Judy Garland, tragic life. I think we all have challenges in life. And, you know, yes. the listeners to this podcast are no different. What do you say to people who are struggling with self-esteem, lack of confidence, the, the road bumps, the challenges for some bigger than others in life? Because I think no one is better equipped to give advice in that respect because you've overcome, overcome all kinds of issues, prejudice and preconceptions. And So let's talk well, about preconceptions. Preconceptions is the big thing. That's the big thing I stumble across every day. I still believe that's why to this day I can't get um, I can do a talent competition, but someone like uh, the BBC or uh, and other TV channels, they think it's a risk. Like, oh, well, we could give you that comedy show. We could put you on that game show, but oh, it's a risk. And they can't tell you what the risk is, but they just, it's a word I come across a lot. Mm. Oh, we're not sure. If the, is the public ready for the risk? And you think, well, what is the risk? You know, and what and what is the preconception? What do they think I'm going to do on there, you know, and they struggle very, very famously for personalities and new talent. And um, I'm very lucky at the minute to have my own BBC radio show on BBC Three Counties, which is my local radio show. And they're doing a search for new presenters for, for local. I think the BBC is doing it nationally. I think it's a new thing you'll hear about very soon. Um, looking for new local radio presenters. I'm available. Um, exactly. And I think anyone that thinks they can do it should do it. And they're saying to me, oh, would you come and, you know, host the day or would you come and judge the thing you think well are you gonna give me my own radio show off the back of this or am I just the, the mm. clown that's gonna host the event you know where's the where's the preconception oh, oh that's just for entertainment but can we commit to that to do a tv show it's a mm. it's it's a fine line and I think I think tv is struggling massively with finding new I think they're lost I think we're all sick of reality we all, we're at the end of reality so where's it gonna go now I've digressed that wasn't the question um but the uh question you asked me about preconception is big and the, the advice I would give to people that deal with self-esteem and problems I think the first thing you have to let yourself know is that everybody has issues and problems in their own lives and just you might feel yours might feel in some you know smaller than somebody else's or insignificant 
It's absolutely not the case. If it's making you feel down or it's been a hard time or it's a big bump in the road or it's a journey for you, that is a big thing for you. And you've got to be able to allow yourself to say, that was a really bad time or that person wasn't very nice to me. I was very, very um, caught up for many years on trying I think a lot of people resonate with this, trying to make sure everyone thought that I was a nice person and no one thought bad of me. And people, um, and I worried too much. I focused more, if, if I thought I'd upset somebody or annoyed somebody, I'd put more energy in trying to fix that than all the other compliments that were coming around me, whether it be show related or whatever. If someone, you know, hundreds of people could say, amazing show, Levar, amazing show. And that one person say, oh, I've heard that joke before. Mm. Or, oh, I wish you'd change that song. Or, and you think, and I latched onto that for so long. Oh, yeah, that person's right. I need to do this or do that. And I, instead of just thinking, oh, come on, mm. you know. Um, and I went through a few personal things. I, I've been through a divorce. I've been through financial difficulties. And I've been through this amazing success. And it took someone to sit me down on a, on a sofa, a professional, to say, hey, hang on a minute, that was a really, that was awful what that person did to you. Mm. Or that was a really bad time. And allowing myself to go, oh yeah, maybe that's why I get a bit upset sometimes when that happens, because I've had past. And the minute you embrace that that's okay to, to accept that you've had a bad time, you'll get over that then. Mm. Or you'll be able to build on it and develop it. So if you're in a mirrored situation later in your life, you'll be able to say, oh, hang on, no, I don't, I don't like this because this has happened to me before and I don't respond well to this behaviour, so I'm going to move on from this. Mm. And how do you pick yourself up? You know, you've been through, I think we all recognise that we've got our own particular challenges to, mm -hmm. a later, uh, to a lesser or greater extent in life, but how do you start the process of rebirth, you know, from that moment where things are, you recognise they're bad, you want to do something about them because a lot of people struggle to get off the starting line yeah. when they're, you know, looking to, you know, re-establish or, or go down a different path. Are there things that you do? Are there thoughts that you have, you know, that conversation you might have with yourself? I, you know, I don't know. Are there, are there yeah, things no, I think the, fir the first thing I had to do was focus back on myself because, of course, it's very much a, we do all the shows, it's very, very public, it's, it's, um, it's very much out there, especially in the world of social media these days. It's very much, we're living our life very much in a sort of a glass house. And I had to bring it right into myself and I had to set boundaries for myself. So sometimes if I've had a really good experience of something, I might put a, post on social media and I just won't read the comments or if I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable one day I'll be like I'm not going to log on to Facebook this afternoon or and if I think I'm feeling good now why why do the risk of it's not important I won't mm. know if it's on there um, and just giving myself that parameter of when I'm strong enough to deal with criticism and when I'm not and if I'm not don't think oh, I've got to look at my Instagram or I need to apply to it. Just, just don't look at it. Mm. I had to just and surround myself with actual, in the flesh, physical friends, having a coffee, having a chat, meeting with people. Let, let's have a drink. Let's have a coffee. Let's have a... And do that. Because all the things, the little gremlins that build up, whether it's something that's riled you, whether it be social media, on the phone or in an email, in person are never as big as you think they are. Mm. And picking up the phone, if you're thinking, oh, I want to send that email to that person, but I don't want it to sound confrontational, it might. Pick up the phone, call them. I thought this would be quicker than an email. I thought this would be easier than a text. And all the things you're worried about will go. Mm. Especially if someone's confronted you. Oh, I'm so sorry if they, you've took that the wrong way. I just wanted to ring you or... And instantly they'll back down. Yeah. Nobody likes confrontation. Good old-fashioned way. Good, Using the it telephone, is, but... It is yeah, a very, good very good old-fashioned way. And I am looking... If I um, My management is very, very... Uh, young uh, young guy uh, who is uh, amazing, you know, and 
he is got the oldest head on his block. He will. I'm picking up the phone. Don't don't leave a voicemail because then you're waiting for them to get back to you. Just try them again later. But your audience, Lavoie, is uh, I mean very diverse. It's a hilarious show. So I, I you know I advise anyone listening to go to go see you. Uh, do what you do because it is quite unique. Oh, it's thank brilliant, you. brilliant. The comedy is fantastic. Um, but do you do you get any resistance? And demographically, do you notice a difference in the older generation in terms of oh, acceptance? Oh yes. Well, especially versus... when you start talking social media. I mean, my some of my audience think a tablet is a beta blocker. You know, they don't understand it's a <laughs> form, of, that one. form of technology. <laughs> so massively diverse. And I think I was really scared when I started to break into uh, the regional theatre tours, going to areas I'd never been to in my life, you know, be, whether it be Skegness, Preston, Isle of Wight, back end of Wales. I thought, what on earth are these people going to think? You know, I'm going to, or, you know, turn up or, and, and they do, and they sell out these venues for me and they come and they are the most open-minded, um, up for a good time people. I think the, the older generation, uh, sort of my parents' age, sort of people in their 60s, 70s, get a big knock for maybe not quite keeping up with it or, you know, mm. they might not be able to work Skype or FaceTime, whatever. But, you know, will any of us in a few years be able to keep up with where on earth it's all going? Mm. Um, but I find them more um, sociable and acceptable on on issues or, in fact, just not that bothered. Like, why? They will be shocked that I will, someone of my generation will have an issue with something. Like, oh, really? Is that what they think? Well, that's just stupid, you know. And have they seen your show? And have they been to see your show and you'd be like well no they haven't they've just had this comment and they can't understand how people can be so opinionated but not even seen the product and do you think that you empower people because you know there's a lot of people that struggle with character identity sexuality you know yeah. all kinds of challenges do you you know do you empower people do you I've, find that you get I've, good feedback because it strikes me as, as as if you almost give a lot of people permission to be who they well that's a lovely are. thing to say I hope I do I would love to think I do the things I get uh, the comments I get after after the show, you know, people might be struggling with terminal illness or their son or daughter might have just come out or their husband might have just come out, you know, and they'll they'll come up to me and they'll say, I'm having a really bad week or a bad day, but you've made me feel so much better. Or just that power of, of having a laugh. My show is laughter and comedy from beginning to end with a real heart to it. That's mm. what I like to think. And I don't, I'm not just, you know, a clown, you know, doing tricks and juggling around the stage. It's it's comedy. It's stupid. I will tell you the most ridiculous. That I would love to see in that frock, would by you? the way. <laughs> well, I'll have to learn. Um, you know, but my, my show is comes from the most ridiculous situations I find myself. They're all true. Uh, going around, the, you know, with my gorgeous driver, Joanne, and we find ourselves in the most ridiculous situations. I tell them on stage and people say, oh, they can't be true. And it is. And um, we mix all that in with amazing songs and my impersonations of some of the women that have really inspired my musical life. There's heartfelt moments in there where, you know, audience say, oh my gosh, I cried. And one minute they're crying, one minute they're wetting themselves. I can't keep up with them. And then, um, you know, it's all wrapped up with a big song and dance on the end. And you leave this theatre thinking I've had a good night. Because it's old fashioned entertainment. That's mm. what I do. It's it's variety. It's vaudeville. It's, it's that. My job is to make people feel better. I don't want them to leave thinking, oh God, that was really depressing. And brilliantly successful too. How would you define success then? Because a lot of people on this podcast, we talk a lot Ooh. about success, different things to different people, just interested in your perspective based on your life experiences. I mean, do you have a definition? Have you thought about yeah, it? Yeah, I think I'm lucky that I am still doing it as long as I've been doing it. And I'm lucky that the avenues are still getting broader and broader. As I keep saying, the theatre show, the the BBC radio show, there's these new avenues that Lavoie can 
go down. And if I can keep building that, if I can get to television, if I can keep just spreading the fact that it's entertainment, it's frivolous, it's fun, and you can talk about things these days. You don't have to be all, you know, hush, hush, or mm. political correctness has gone crazy. I'd like to be the person that doesn't go down the offensive way of saying, well, I'm going to talk about this a bit, maybe what Katie Hopkins did for some people, uh, lover or hater. Um, I'd like to be the person that says, well, you can talk about this because of X, Y, Z. And the success for me would be the that level of Lavoie being on the biggest platform, whether it be BBC News as an advisor on a, <laughs> could you imagine, on a topic, or whether it be touring around the theatres Till I'm a, you know, old and grey. I'll never be grey. I'll keep dyeing the hair. But um, <laughs> that would be my level of success. Longevity, yeah. I think, is success in this business. And clearly enjoying what you do. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. It's exhausting and the travel and the theatres. And I've been to some places I never want to go back to again the rest of my life, but I'll go back. Try Western Supermare. Oh, I'm going yeah. to Western Supermare. <gasps> you are not. I am. So if they're listening, I am. My family. Am. My family my from Western theater, Supermare. I did the, I did the, um, oh my gosh, what's the, the playhouse? Is it? Is it a playhouse? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Might be the pier. It's a Supermare playhouse. Yes, it is the playhouse. Oh, there's nowhere. Huge history nowhere, there. Uh, there is. There's well, nowhere else in. I and chips and I did my we show. Will, well, I will bring the whole family to come and watch you. I got heckled by a man called Barry. I've never forgotten him. How dare you, Barry? From beginning to end. <laughs> and the same day... We shall day, have words with Barry. I'll never forget where. So the same day, Cher had released her um, ABBA Dancing Queen album. So it was an epic day for me. <laughs> Right. Well, after the show, we shall have a quick conversation about that. And I shall make make sure I book front row tickets. For yes, Western do. Superman, I will the see place where Superman. everyone's only ever been once. So yes. um, anyway, uh, with a slight tear in my eye, I've got one eye on the time thinking, oh my goodness, this is all coming Don't to an end. Don't say it's nearly ended. It is. It oh, is. I've sounded incredibly serious this and knowledge. This I'm is going to have to be part one of part 10, you know. <laughs> uh, so um, I have a couple of quick things to yes, ask you. Yes, of course. First I'll of try all, and to quit lots and lots and lots of people listening are going to want to know where you're going, how do they find out about you, the show, more about Lavoie and all the amazing things you do for so many people. First of all, social media presence. Social media. Well, if you want to hear the ridiculous anecdotes, the live videos from my car with me and my vegan driver, Joanne. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's Lavoie The Show. So Lavoie is L-A-V-O-I-X, The Show. Facebook, Lavoie fan page. You can follow me on there. I love my little bit of social media. I'm trying to keep up with the times. And Twitter is Lavoie The Show. And my website is where all my theatre tour dates are, lavoie.co.uk. You can click on tour dates. I am going north, south, east, west, Scotland, Wales, Isle of Wight, you name it, I will be coming to a theatre near you. It's called Live, Loud and Fabulous is the tour. Live, because I'm not dead. Loud, because I'm not quiet. And Fabulous, because I'm not Colleen Nolan. Well, I, I think that's the best I'm, way. I'm only looking at you today. Well, I know. Fabulous is, a, is uh, a very good way of describing. And it's a full two hour show, live band, comedy, songs, you name it. And it is super brilliant. I'm, I'm also loving the fact you emphasise the word vegan when describing your driver. Yes, I'm you, not quite sure why, why well, that's relevant. Well, you try but. touring with a vegan driver and pulling into a service station and all there is is McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's, it's, it's tough. Yes, actually, it's that's, really not bad, really that's not a bad point. And I have to get out because she won't, you know, she has to stay with the car because, you know, I can't do the driving around. I have to stop in the parent and child spaces. We don't stay. She drops me off and then carries on. And you try going in, shopping for vegan. If you're vegan out there, I feel the pain. Yes. I feel the pain. I, I, I hear you. And she okay. has a nut allergy. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible. Like I said, out of body experience. Final question. Uh, probably the most important one, really. Based on all those amazing things you've said, and thank you so much for sharing so openly on behalf of everyone listening, uh, we always ask all our guests the same question, to, just to 
to tidy things up and to kind of get a sense of where we've been on this half hour journey. So if you were giving advice to a younger version of yourself right now, so uh, she was saying, right, you know, where do I, where do I go in life? One, one bit of advice would you give me based on all of life's experience, all that you know now, <sighs> what single piece of advice would you, would you give to that young woman? I would say it's as cliche as it sounds, just follow Follow your dream and don't worry about creating a safety net and a backup plan. I think I spent too long trying to get the qualifications alongside wanting to be in the arts in case it didn't work out. And I think I would have had so much quicker enjoyment, not not quicker success, but quicker enjoyment earlier on mm. because I would have chased the dream and gone exactly where I want. If I wanted to do musical theatre, just go down and study musical theatre um, and and just it will all be all right in the end. Things mm. don't happen. They'll, you'll think I'm running out of time and you won't. Life is a journey and I think embrace a journey and live the dream. Oh gosh, that sounded like a book title, didn't it? I need to write that down. Well, you heard it here first. <laughs> if, it, if it becomes your book, uh, what can I say? What what can I say? Um, I've, I've enjoyed the company of many, many guests. This might... I'm hoping no one's listening. This might be oh, my, yes, if you're the next be my guest, favourite. I apologise. It might but be my favourite. Thank you. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's been absolutely wonderful. We've and learned that you were in Blood Brothers in 1988. Uh, I know. I think that's a wonderful. I know. And I come from Western Supermare. <laughs> yes. I know. And we're both in Spotlight. Both on Spotlight. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, and what have I got to show for it? Um, so, thank you so much for joining us, Lavoie. It's been a real, real joy to, to meet you and to share some time. And rest assured, we will come to a show. I'll bring all my, my rabble with me. Yes, Quite a large do. family. It will change your life for the good or the worse. I'm not too sure, but you will love it. We'll find out. But once again, thank you so much for joining Pleasure. us. Pleasure. Thank you. Well, that was the Sandro Forte podcast. And what can I say? Lavoie, just the best. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success and life in general. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Please don't forget, same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever it is that motivates you. Please keep the emails coming. Hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please connect on social media with me too. That's the real Sandro Forty on Instagram and Sandro Forty and all the rest. And until this time next week, bye for now.